What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets Fans, and I'm joined, as ever, by Ada McConaughey for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 8th of November, and today we're chatting about Nets wins, which is um, the latest off-the-court drama, uh, and there being no sign of a new head coach, uh, as well as much, much more, of course. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets Fans and check us out on YouTube where you can catch us live and watch all of our episodes. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Um, I touched on, you know, some nice on the court stuff um, that we will get to, I promise. But this being a Brooklyn Nets podcast, we're going to have to touch on the latest drama surrounding Kyrie Irving. Um Obviously, it's been a week since we last podcasted. Um, following a non-apology, um, Adam Silver condemning Kyrie and Nike dropping him, Irving has been suspended by the Brooklyn Nets for at least five games for sharing a link to a film that we covered last week. Um, he's now been given a set of actions that he needs to take before he's welcomed back into the Nets organization. So there's six of them that I am going to read out just so we're clear. Um, so number one is issue an apology, for posting a link to the movie on October 27th, condemn the harmful and false content and make clear that he does not have anti-Jewish beliefs. Number two, complete the anti-hate, complete the anti-hate causes that Irving, the Nets and the Anti-Defamation League agreed upon in their joint release of November the 2nd, including a $500,000 donation towards causes and organizations that work to eradicate hate and tolerance in communities. Number three, complete sensitivity training created by the Nets. Number four, complete anti-Semitic slash anti-hate training designed by the Nets. Number five, meet with representatives from the Anti-Defamation League, as well as Jewish community leaders in Brooklyn. And number six, after completing one to five, meet with owner Joe Sai and lead franchise officials and demonstrate the lessons learned and the gravity of the harm caused in the situation is understood and provide assurances that this type of behavior will not be repeated. Um, so a lot to do there um, to get back on the court, at least. So it's, you know, Kyrie's done for at least five games. Um, he tried to sort of, well, he had the opportunity to say sorry um, in front of the media, then didn't. He has now um, come back with a bit more of a robust apology, I think it's fair to say. But um, Aiden, thrown to you, do you think these demands are fair? Uh, it's quite a quest, the entire Start with <laughs> I mean, it does. It does feel like a, a quest, in like a video game where you have to get a certain amount of coins, all those different things. And yeah. I mean, not sure. I, I I like the idea that obviously they're kind of going down the education route uh, as an alternative to just a a straight out punishment. Um, obviously, has been punished by not getting to play for five games. Um, but it does feel that it'll be more beneficial. Um. I do feel the way that it's been portrayed to the media so that they can obviously share these kind of step-by-step um, stages that Kyrie has to go through. It's slightly humiliating for Kyrie in a way. I don't really like the way that that's been done. Um, we said last week that we, we didn't feel that the, the punishment up to the stage that it was last week, it didn't fit the crime at the time and we felt that there was something going to happen. Obviously it has. Um, but it just feels a bit weird the way they've kind of came out with it. I've never seen anything quite like it, um, yeah. really, this kind of thing. It, it doesn't tend to be done. Obviously, there's things in there that are just being done by the Nets. Um, I don't know if potentially that's... Uh, it's them trying to cover their backs. Obviously, their reputation is well and truly in the mud right now. Um, there's no other way to put it, and... Maybe they just want to show, like that they're they're punishing appropriately, and, and as far as they're aware, I mean, obviously he's he's came out and apologised uh, in a statement, um, explained himself as to as to why he did this, and if you want to believe him, what 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 he said, or or if you don't want to believe him, he has came out and and done that, and he's taken some sort of responsibility for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, it's five games. I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon, to be honest. It, it just feels that 
five games was just a, an initial punishment. It feels like there is potentially going to be, this could go on for quite a while. It certainly doesn't feel over. Um, I love Kyrie as a basketball player, but it's never easy. It's never this straightforward. It's, ne- it's never going to be a situation where he's going to go through these steps and like, oh, brilliant, there you go, Kyrie, you can get back on the court. It's never that straightforward with Kyrie Irving, and it is just getting a bit much now. It's, it's getting to that stage now where we've had things with Kyrie in the past where we've we've bitten our tongue, but now it's just a stage where it's just a bit much, and you just want to you just want to get on with basketball. And uh, yeah, I, I think the demands are fair, but the way it's been it's been published is is very wrong. I think you're right. It's like. So I'm of the opinion that I don't think Kyrie holds these anti-Semitic beliefs, right? But he just did a stupid thing by sharing this hateful piece of rubbish to his feeds, and that was obviously wrong. Um, He has come back and apologized. It took him a lot to actually sit down and apologize. Obviously, he did that weird thing where where people asked him if he held anti-Semitic views and he said, I can't be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. So he didn't actually, he did that one of those things where it's like, I'm sorry if you were offended type apologies. Um, But now he's obviously, he got battered for it essentially sort of, I'm sure he got battered for it by the Nets. I'm sure he got battered for it by Amnesty. I'm not quite sure of the timeline, but I think his, his second apology, his actual apology came after a meeting with Adam Silver um so maybe he kind of saw the severity of the stuff that he was up against and he actually sat down and apologized um and it's one of those because you don't want to live in a world where you make a mistake and you just you know exiled from everything so there's got to be there's got to be a, a stage at which him apologizing is enough and i think I guess you can argue whether or not the sort of the the actions that he's been asked to do are right or wrong. And I think, you know, he should do all this stuff and that's fine. But I think to your point, it's the fact that it's just all been really, really public has just made it 10 times worse. Um, and part of that, I think, is the media wanting to get everything they want to get out of this story and Kyrie for clicks and all this kind of stuff that we always say. But there's also that element of, I think, the Nets and Sean Marks and Joe Sai want to be very actively seen as really making Kyrie work for this forgiveness. And I think they want to make sure that they're, that the nets are seen as making sure that, you know, steps are being taken to, for him to understand what he's done and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a real tricky one to find that balance. And I don't think, it's weird because it can be quite damaging to say, oh, he said, sorry, leave him alone. Everything's fine and swept under the rug. But yeah, it just feels like it's he's been absolutely battered. And I feel like Kyrie's probably, if, if anyone's going to go, do you know what? Sack it off then. What? Like, stop. I'm not going to sort of crawl over broken glass to, to get back to doing this. He's a very principled guy. Um, he's a very proud bloke and he's a very stubborn yeah. bloke. So I think maybe it's even designed for him to go, no, I'm walking. I don't know, but we shall see. The 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 one of them that I think is that kind of sticks in my mind the most is option six, where it's like after he's done all these things, after he's issued an apology, um, given half a million dollars towards these causes and organizations, completed sensitivity training, completed anti-Semitic and anti-hate training, met with local representatives. It's almost like Joe Sai has inserted himself as the final boss in this sort of um parade of things that he's got to like performative things that he's got to do to get forgiveness and to find himself back onto a court so meet with Josiah and lead franchise officials and demonstrate demonstrate the lessons learned and that the gravity of harm caused in the situation is understood and provide assurances that his type of behavior will not be repeated it i don't know that just feels a bit obviously Josiah has had a lot of negative press with him just feeling like it's kind of a bit of an ego trip for him to be put in this kind of um, this weird power dynamic. I remember the sort of the game obviously we'll get to, I think it was after the wizards game. He was like, let's put the fun back into basketball. And it was just like, mate, you didn't need to say that. 
so it's weird. So what what do you think of that final final action when Joe Sai's kind of big involvement in that? It just gets it's just a, a bit of a vibe of like when someone's about to get sacked by their work and they give them that one final opportunity to almost like beg mm-hmm. for mercy and like just plead for forgiveness. Um yeah. This uh, he's Kyrie's employed at the end of the day, so I guess it, it, he is obviously Kyrie does need to prove himself to him. Um, you can have a look at the way Sai does his business with the Nets. Obviously, he's very much a front facing owner. There's owners out there that you never see. You just never see these owners. Um, like it's it's obviously more common in basketball where. Owners are more involved with the team than perhaps other sports. Um, and the way Sai does his business is very much front-facing, almost almost parallel to Sean Marks. Um, it's almost like they always seem to make decisions as a duo instead of kind of leaving Sean Marks to be the general manager of the team. Um, how much he likes that, I don't know. Um, but... Yeah, it has its benefits at times. The the way that he does his business, obviously, it looks it looks good probably to to kind of your your nets investors that that obviously your 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 owner is so is so front facing and so involved, so they they know what's going on. But at the same time, the way he runs to social media and, and not just obviously recently, we we've seen it previously with the trade requests. Um, the Kyrie vaccine stuff it's just so embarrassing and and there's absolutely no need for it and uh, there's no two doubts about it that he's a fantastic businessman like I mean he's one of the richest men in the world but you just wish he just thought about it like before he'd done these things because what's the benefit of going on yeah. Twitter and putting something out There, it's just all it's all negative really and um, yeah I, I don't know. I the whole thing just seems weird. Not even just the last the last one. That's I understand he's obviously going through. He's going to have to go through steps to to be able to step in the court again. Um, but yeah, just the whole thing just seems just seems a bit odd. And I think you're bang on with what you said. It is almost setting him up for failure. Um, mm. It's almost like he needs to be absolutely perfect to be able to get back even though he's apologised. and We do all make mistakes, as you say. It's a, a fairly big mistake. I mean, there's not much there's not much bigger than being anti-Semitic. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they are setting him up for failure, and it, it, it just seems that it's, it's not finished yet. No, and it's not going to finish any quicker with Joe Sy just pouring petrol on the skip fire yeah. that he's Brooklyn Nets at the moment. Um, big up to everyone that's in joined us in the YouTube chat um, at the moment. Oliver's come through and asked if he's missed the part where we talk about how great Cam Thomas is. And no, you've not, mate. We've got all the happy stuff uh, to follow. We're just getting through all the all the stuff we have to talk about, unfortunately, as we follow this team. Um, but moving swiftly on, um, it's, it's a week to the day as we record that the Brooklyn Nets fired uh, Steve Nash, um, but we're still without a head coach. During the week, Mark Stein has said that there's pushback from the league towards the Nets for thinking about signing Ime Udoka as head as head coach. In a tweet, Stein says, league sources say there have been some strong voices urging Joe Sai to back off the Nets' intent to hire suspended Celtics coach Ime Udoka as Steve Nash's successor, given the considerable turmoil Brooklyn has already faced this season. Um, Nets Daily has confirmed that in the Stein tweet that the strong voices uh, mentioned were coming from the league, the commissioner's office, um with pushback also coming from nets internal staff bse global staff which is obviously the nets parent company and the nba it's isn't i'm thinking this is probably and obviously i think sean sean marks also said like a week ago that it was like oh it's when a reporter was like oh it's imedoka right and he was like well you know we've not made any strong decisions but it was pretty cut and dry that yudoka was the one they wanted we know that he's a favorite of sean marks we know he's a favorite of kd but yeah just nothing's happened 
I kind of floated out there that maybe they leaked the we're thinking about hiring MA to the media to kind of gauge public opinion and be like, what about if we did this? But obviously that's been pushed back, not only with sort of female employees of, of the Brooklyn Nets and the league um, and male employees of, of the Nets and the league. But it's, it's, it's so weird. It's one of those where we, because we don't have all the info, it's, it's very strange. Um, the way I see it, I think I want to get your take on my take a bit sort of weirdly, like, because we don't know the details, if Emir Doko obviously had a, a consensual, albeit inappropriate workplace relationship with someone who I think was married to someone else in, this, in the uh, franchise, and that's why he was dismissed, if it's basically all consensual but inappropriate and they, you shouldn't really have got together with someone you work with, I think that's forgivable and the Nets can sign him, and I get behind that. But if it's like he was sort of harassing the woman and all that kind of stuff and using his position of power to influence a relationship and put that forward, I think that's where I'm out. Um, I've chucked a lot at you there, but what what do you think of... Um, do you think the Nets should just hire Udoka anyway, regardless of, of what's going on with the Celtics? Yeah, it's it's a horrible predicament. It's, and I think as well as like you look at it like if if none of this was happening and Yudoka was available, he's the perfect appointment. And I think I think if you look at it like that, then yeah, they probably should they probably should bring him in. Um and I think as you say, if it was a if it was just a consensual inappropriate relationship but inappropriate because it was with obviously it, we know it was with a, a Celtics employee who was um who was with an, another Celtic I don't I, I can't remember what it was but it's, it's someone else related to the organization mm. um then yeah I think I don't know if it's forgivable I mean an affairs are never really forgivable but yeah. it's forgivable enough in sense that he's still allowed to work and and do a job for someone I'm sure there's people who are having affairs that get hired every day, but um, I think you just have to trust KD and Sean Marks um, the most out of anyone in the organisation at the moment. And if that's their guy, and and I think obviously we said last week, I, I said, I went out and I said, I think this is going to be done within 48 hours. I think I thought it was going to be done by by the time the podcast came out in the morning. It was It just felt like it was moving so quickly. And you do think that the only thing that was really stopping it from coming out that quickly, despite the fact we were away to go on a road trip for, for four or five games, the only thing really stopping it was them doing checks and whatever, because the Celtics just said, go for it. Just have him. Yeah. Have him. We don't want anything to do with him. Um, and which really meant if, if he was their guy, and by all means, it sounds like he is their guy. I mean, from what I've heard, um, Quinn Snyder, who you would put as one of the top candidates as a fantastic coach who isn't at a job, he didn't really seem to give him the time of day. I don't know if that yeah. was on his part as well, or, I mean, you would at least think that there would be a, a bit of conversation there, but it seemed that they were so in on getting Yudoka and that, that they didn't even take that into consideration. Um, totally understand the pushback. It's, it's just not a good situation. Um they may decide after doing their background checks that it's not worth it, um, but we just need a, a fresh, a fresh approach. And if it is Yudoka or if it is someone else, it, I just personally think it, it can't be an internal hire. They just things won't change enough, and we just need freshness. And I think we've seen it in the last few games. We've just needed, we need a fresh start. And we need to basically get away from all this. And potentially good basketball could be exactly what we need. Um, but, yeah, the the delay is slightly worrying me a wee bit. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, it feels, yeah. I feel like they were probably about to pull the trigger on MA and then got a, got a backlash and then they're just shitting themselves because they're just, they're, I think it's, again, tied to their their kind of reputation being so in the mud now as an organization, it's just another, another misstep. 
Um, although saying that, you know, there are there are other head coaches in the league that have done a lot worse and are still working in this league. Um, you know, including the, the Dallas Mavericks head coach, Jason Kidd. Is he still at Dallas? Jay Kidd. And he's done some horrible shit in his time and he's still getting about the league and is still, you know, lauded as one of the best players and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think the Nets are just being cautious. Um, but, yeah, I don't think now is the time for caution. Um, we don't, re- we can't really know until we until all the stuff comes out. But as you said last week, I'm sure as soon as Udoka does get announced as Nets head coach, it'll all come out and it will be like the world's worst bloke. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, we, it remains to be seen. But fortunately, it's time to talk about some basketball, which we haven't done in over an episode. <laughs> we didn't talk about any basketball last week. Um, but this past week, the Brooklyn, your Brooklyn Nets absolutely blew the back doors of the Washington Wizards, winning by 42 points, winning on the road 128 to 86. KD leading the charge on 28 points. Um, six of six from the line, two of six from three, 10 of 21 shooting, 11 assists and nine rebounds as well. So he was a rebound off a, 20, a, a triple double. Um, I mean, he hit, he, I think he had the only ever poster that was just on like a fadeaway corner ju- elbow jumper as well. Cause he left, uh, was it uh, Daniel Gafford was just in an absolute heap on the floor uh, after KD crossed him over, which was pretty funny. Um, some real nice production off the bench. We shot decent from free. Um, yeah, what what did what what of the many things to like about that Washington net game do you want to talk about first, Adam? Um it was just an enjoyable game of basketball, and I think that's the best thing about this game. It it felt like it was just needed in so many ways, and it was just nice to see everyone contributing, everyone showing energy, everyone looking like they wanted to play for each other, everyone looking happy for each other. Um, just extremely impressed with the guys that came in. Um, obviously, we're struggling at the moment in terms of who's playing and who's not, and who's healthy and who's not, um, who's playing and healthy and, uh, sorry, who's playing and not healthy. I mean, there's plenty of them. But um, just extremely impressed with guys like Thomas Watanabe, um David Duke Jr. I mean coming in like that was just it was just refreshing and obviously these guys are, are fighting for the place in the team and they've definitely all made an argument in the last week, uh, which is, is great to see. It's always it's always nice to have these guys, it's despite guys coming back that they're gonna be fighting for place because it just makes everyone better. Um but yeah, obviously you, you mentioned Kevin Durant, it's he's just outstanding and Mentioning those guys like Thomas and Duke Jr., you can just tell he loves playing with these young guys. He's mm. these footballers. It it almost looks like, despite the fact he's still one of the best basketball players in the world, it does re- like it kind of rejuvenates him in a way. He he looks like that excited young Kevin Durant that we saw in OKC all those years ago. Um, and you you could tell he just kind of gave it an extra bit. Obviously being back home, I think a lot of his friends were just behind the next bench you could see him interacting with them like at the end of the half and uh yeah it was just amazing as you said that crossover on on Gafford was up there were probably one of the best highlights we've seen from him as a net and it just brought a feel-good factor and it was nice seeing him smiling at the at the end of the game and and being happy because despite everything that's going on and obviously everything that went on this summer, you just want to know that Kevin Durant is enjoying his basketball and, and he always will. Um, but he looked like he was just in good spirits and and obviously we're in a kind of constant storm of the nets and he just always seems to be the calm in the middle of it when we're playing basketball. And and it's, it's, it's probably one of the sole reasons why you don't give up on this team when you see Kevin Durant playing like that. Yeah, it reminded me of that game from last year where it was um, KD and the kids against Toronto, where I think we were like we had eight healthy players. Everyone was either COVID out or vaccined out or whatever. And I think if one if one player like I think KD was was sort of day to day or something with something else, and 
if he was going to sit, we basically forfeit the game. And he was like, no, let's go to Toronto. And they beat the, and they beat the Raptors. And that was, it felt like a really big win and a massive moment. And KD having fun, like you say, and having a sort of, we know he, he's taking Cam Thomas under his wing, but having a lot and having sort of um, belief in these players that he's playing with, like it was, and it, and it showed because we got, finally got some nice production off the bench. There was like a, a 15 to 0 run um, at the end of that first quarter, and it was like Cam Thomas, Markeith Morris, and Patty Mills alongside KD and Joe Harris, and yeah, it looked like it paid off. Um, obviously, there was, there's been a, a a social media movement across the last uh, week or so. Hashtag free CT um, <laughs> regarding Cam Thomas, and it and it seemed to work. He went. After having 15 total minutes so far this year and somewhat being buried um, when Steve Nash was choosing the rotations, obviously Jack Vaughan's had him straight in. He played 32 minutes in this game, uh, scoring 17 points um, of six of 13 shooting, two of four from three, three of three from the line, six assists, four rebounds, a steal, um, and a plus 36 on the box score. Is is now the time? Is Cam Thomas the guy that the Nets need? Especially with obviously Kyrie not being around. Um, free CT, Oli Khan in the um, in the chat. Thanks, mate. Free CT um, is is now the time. Does does Cam Thomas need minutes? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've I've been harsh on Cam Thomas, and like I think it's just because we brought in quite a bit of talent over the summer um, that I've probably forgotten how good he actually was. And mm. he is a great player and he's only going to get better. Um, it's easy to forget that he only turned 21 in last month. And obviously when you see these things that he does on social media, you, you do remember how young he actually is because, um, yeah, it's not something that you see vets kind of do. But well, to be fair, they do. They're all uh, big kids at times. But, I mean... Yeah, he definitely deserves minutes. And I think as well now is obviously Nash didn't play him. And when he was getting asked about it, he was saying that he needs someone to come off the bench and create as well. And we've seen Cam doing that. He's definitely improved his game in terms of uh, passing and assisting and, and knowing when to make that pass. We, we saw so many times last year where he kind of waved off KD and took his own shot and You've got to be a brave man to do that to to the best scorer on the planet. Um, but he's I bet still, he loves that though. I bet he loves it. He's I like, who wants that? He loves him. He's probably sees a lot of himself um, mm. when he was younger. Uh, but yeah, it's just his ability to get to the line as well is enough to to make sure he's in the rotation. Like you look at some of his three throw numbers, like in the last week it's just incredible it's, it's it's star numbers almost um he gets his calls he knows how to get calls um and i think while well curry's down um and even when he's back having that guy off the bench that's able to to create his own shot um and score when he doesn't need the rhythm of the rest of the team he, he goes to the beat of his own drum very similar to kevin durant is so important off the bench and he, he could easily start on this team but it's so good to have an option like that off the bench and right now he's probably the sixth man on this team um currently and could be going forward yeah and that's a great shout i'm here for for cam Tom, uh, cam thomas the sixth man of the year exactly what you say he's just he's just not scared he's just completely unfazed by anything he hasn't played at all in ages and he just waltzes in and goes all right give me give me the ball and i'll show you what i can do and i love it and i think everyone loves it and i think we're we've been in this kind of weird spot where it's been all win now win now and i think people think that you can't develop young players and give them shots while you're in that mode but i think when you've got someone as productive as cam thomas at you know, creating his own shot and all that kind of stuff. I think you have to play him. And he's making a very, very good case for him um, to get con to continue to get minutes. And I think, yeah, he's he's absolutely justified in that. Um, big big shout out to Yuta Wanatabe as well. 
played 24 minutes, six of eight from the field, two going two of three from three, um, eight rebounds as well, two blocks. So he's just he's just all heart, any he? he's just like oh. a sweet man who just like who just plays basketball and had just cares it looks like and and yeah just incredibly incredibly good so i love that as well um like you say nice to see david duke jr um get some run as well they are on sharp is i think the only one that's kind of getting left in the lurch i think out of the kind of next generation um but with nick claxton playing like he's playing we don't need a backup center <laughs> he's playing absolutely off out of his mind nine of ten um from the field um nine rebounds and, and an assist 18 points on the night three blocks only two fouls it's just he's just uh, he's just insane and i it, it's the only it's the one year that i was like you know what i think i'm out on nick claxton <laughs> he's just absolutely proven me wrong well, just been like, a yeah. beast i know he obviously listens he obviously listens back um but the well, this was the first night of a back to back then we took the out took the win and then it was on to charlotte where we also it was a bit of touch and go but we also got the win so the nets uh, would win the close one 98 to 94 and it was kind of much of the same um it was a, a harder harder task but kd leaving the way leading the way cam thomas also looking mint um it was kind of KD almost looked like he ran out of gas. Um, and then kind of he kind of sat the fourth a bit. And then the Hornets went on like a 10 0 run. <laughs> KD was like, all right, <laughs> put, put his shoes back on almost. And then it was like 21 to 7 nets. And we get the dub. Um, just picking up from what I was saying on Nick Claxton, he, he finished this one with 11 points, seven rebounds, two assists. Three blocks and two steals, so he's an absolute force on the defensive end. But he also leads the league in shooting percentage at seventy-two point seven percent, and he's also second in the league in blocks and first in the league in dunks. So, yeah, Nick Claxton is also having an absolute game of his life uh, recently. Um, any takeaways from this one? Yeah, I mean, just going on from Claxton, I think. It's just so good to see the team playing well defensively again. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that's been brought up. Obviously, we invested so much over the summer defensively to, to bring in guys and to improve defensively because obviously last season it was such a massive issue. Uh, and bringing in guys like Royce O'Neill, um, it just, yeah, it, it, they were obviously trying to solidify uh, a better defensive mentality. And I think it starts with Nick Claxton. I, I think he's really improved defensively again, which was always a strong point of him. Obviously, we knew that he could guard one to five, um, but he has improved his game. Obviously, you saw three blocks, two steals. He's just making the most of that kind of long, lanky frame, um, which we obviously saw a lot of when we had Jarrett Allen. Um, so it's nice to see that kind of rim protection from Nick Claxton, which we potentially haven't seen uh, as much of, even though he, he has always had that there. He's certainly kind of taken that leap there. Um, but I think this whole kind of defensive um, increase has came from these young guys coming into the team. It's, it's the burst of energy that I was talking about earlier. Um, KD in this one, again, uh, a very good defensive performance, which we saw from him. It uh, all seems to benefit from having good defense around him. Um, gives him that extra boost uh, defensively. He had he had three blocks as well in this one, which is it's crazy. Three blocks from him, four from four from Clacks. Yeah, they uh, yeah they really kind of got their rim protection down um, in this one. But just in general, there was just a just a good energy defensively. Obviously, probably the first time we've held a team under 100 points, uh, two games in a row in a while, um, and two wins. And, yeah, we, we always know that we're going to be good offensively. When you've got Kevin Durant, you've got other guys who are who are so good at three-point shooting, you're always going to get the points there. Um, but we always seem to just let ourselves down defensively. And I hope when we bring in a, a new head coach that that's something that they really pride themselves on um, because we've seen it. They, they've got the ability to, to be good defensively, it's just making sure that they put in that effort because up until this week, it's just not been there. And uh, 
it was it was refreshing to see them just put that extra bit of effort in. Um, and that's everyone that that goes straight down to guys like Cam Thomas and and Sumner who aren't traditionally good defenders, but you did see that they they do put in that effort. And if you're not a good defender, if you're putting in that effort, at least kind of brings you back up in a, a level playing field. I think so. Yeah, it's just that I think it's probably the distant the difference of like the starters probably being on average probably somewhere between ten and fifteen years younger than they were last year when you've got like. Um, Andre Drummond and you know Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and those kind of guys trying to trying to battle for minutes and I think you know as good as those guys were in spurts it's just you can't it's just not something you can rely on so you get these young these young hungry players who want to come in and make an impact and yeah you don't have to be good as you know playing hard will sort of paste over anything that you know any deficiencies that you have and I think it's you know Clax plays with that kind of that fire and you can tell it after after he dunks after he blocks he's flexing and all this kind of stuff that you love to see so yeah i've having a bit more of a defensive identity is something that is is just incredibly fun to watch and incredibly good uh talking of defense and holding teams under 100 points it was oh actually before we move on i just want to ask a question so two wins back to back on the road both without um Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons what should we take away from the fact that we look like we're at our best without Kyrie and Ben Simmons obviously it's yeah it's a relatively small sample size looking at <laughs> it's, it's very small I mean we we've known for a while that the system of Kevin Durant and role players around him is, is always going to be successful um, long term probably not I mean teams always seem to have an, en- an answer for it eventually which we'll obviously get on to in the, the next game but obviously it's a new system bringing Ben Simmons in something completely different which we've not used to that we've not been used to for a while um, say having someone like James Harden prior to that was was very different and then not having someone like that at all was very different as well so and obviously he's still so far away from the player that he he once was and I make it sound like he's completely past it he's obviously not he's still a very young guy but it's I don't think we can look at it and and make Ben Simmons look too bad at the moment we can't give up up on him this early he I think he needs to play he needs to he needs to start we just need to gel if we lose if we lose another kind of five out of the next eight games or whatever, I'd rather they, they manage to figure out um, playing with each other and eventually kind of got it together. Um, in terms of Kyrie, I think, he, and except kind of for one game, he's he's been playing well. I mean, obviously there was that one game where he just played absolutely awful, maybe a couple of games where he's, he's not played too well. Um, but his game just doesn't translate to winning as well as someone like Kevin Durant. We've seen that, obviously, previously when it has just been Kyrie by himself and KD's been out. Um, everything kind of really needs to be clicking elsewhere for Kyrie's game to be so effective, which which it has been. And he'll always score, um, but it's nowhere kind of need enough by itself. So, obviously, we just need to wait and see if he's going to come back in. But, again, like Simmons coming back in, um, we just kind of need to make it work. It's, it's got to work. Um, it's, it's not as if we can't play these guys if they're available and and they're obviously meant to be playing. Um, these are two fantastic basketball players. And again, it's, it's just going to take a bit of time, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm I'm all in on, on giving Simmons time. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people saying, you know, he's cooked, he's washed, he's not the player he was. It's just like, mate, he's like... <laughs> 10 games back from a year out and back surgery just yeah. chill out joe, joe harris doesn't look up to speed either but i think you know there's just more of a microscope on on ben simmons so we'll see i'm not i'm not out on him yet um but we did see him back um wasn't his finest performance um we saw him back on a, a close fought loss uh, to the dallas mavericks um losing by two losing 94 to 96 um, at the death um, but it's one of them is no losses are good but you know our defense looked really good again we moved the ball a lot 
um, but it was a close loss. Um, it was weird that I think Ben Simmons made a made an appearance on the road. Like we're in the middle of this road trip, and he just sort of flies out and goes, "No, I'm all right now." And then we'll come come back, play 16 minutes. You know, have uh, you know what go one of three, two re three rebounds, two assists, to steal. Um, and two points in 16 minutes, so not great. And he said that he was he was really bad. Um, but you know, as the last uh, games that we sort of mentioned, KD continues his streak of 25 plus points um, to start the season and became the first player since Allen Iverson um, and only the seventh player all time to uh, drop 25 or more points in the first 11 games. So history being made. Um, but yeah, a close one. But I think it's just Luca is just incredibly good, isn't he? Yeah, he's just outstanding. Um, obviously, shout out to Kevin Durant. I only saw like a few minutes ago that he got Player of the Week as well, which is is always nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, cards on the table. I've not actually watched this full game yet. It's like obviously it's been a, a busy few days, and those three um, tips just. Sometimes get the better of you at times, and um, from what I have seen and, and from what from what I've watched, um, obviously it's uh, it's probably the first defeat of the season where we can hold our heads relatively high. Um, mm. We don't need to be too embarrassed. Um, we were really the the walking wounded going into last night. Um, yeah, I, I was as surprised as you to see Ben Simmons actually played. I I didn't think we needed to do that, um, but if they feel that they just want him to play as many games as possible to get out of this, out of this kind of, obviously he needs to get healthy, but he isn't just a bad run of form at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and needs to get his confidence up. So it's an extra game towards that, I guess. Um, obviously, uh, Yuta Watanabe had an ankle injury, which probably had everyone's heart in their mouth considering how well he's been playing and how important he's been. It looks like it's only going to be a, a sprain and he should be back relatively quickly. It would have been just awful for him to be out for a long time after playing so well. And, mm-hmm. and there's no one on this team that deserves an injury less than you know, Witten Abbey right now. But hopefully he'll be back relatively soon. But um, yeah, as I say, the third game now on the bounce where we've held our opponents under 100 points. We were we looked good defensively from what I've seen. Um, but the Mavs just being a a good team and Luka Doncic just being a an absolute baller when we are so walking wounded. Probably on another day, two months, three months down the line, we would have won that game. Um, but for now, two and one in the last three, no head coach, walking wounded. I think we can be relatively happy with that one. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, just seen um, today that Chris Mulholland, um has confirmed that Wanatabe will not play against the Knicks. Um, so he's out for that. It's a, it is a left ankle sprain, but he should should be all good. Um, but yeah, again, nice. Royce O'Neal eight assists was really good. Um, Nick Claxton fourteen rebounds. So there's just like there's just loads of stuff to point to that is just real, really promising. Um, you know, Cam Thomas getting another thirty minutes um, of playing time, nineteen points. Um, Seth Curry one point. Oh, you know, oh one from three. Just got one at the three throw line. Did get a steal. So yeah, it's it's it feels like a little bit like there are, there are steps forward. Um, and then we just kind of step on a rake like in the Simpsons and just smashes him in the face. Um, but you know, it's, it steps forward nonetheless. Um, and we shall see, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one against the Knicks tomorrow. Um, and I'm not sure I'm ready for, for, you know, for us losing that one potentially, but we shall see. We'll, we'll wait for that one and we'll, we'll react to it rather than preempt what's going to happen. Um, we're going to go on to some listener questions now. Um, and I think some of these we've kind of covered. Kind of this came in from Frio saying, do you think we should blow it up or have recent results made you think it can work? Uh, no, I, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I don't think we can blow it up right now. And I think it probably would be a bit reactionary, a bit counterproductive for the Nets to just lose their mind this early on in the season. Um there's there's an argument there for sure. I mean, when everything's going this badly, it may seem like 
they have no choice, but they do. And I think even though right now we don't look like title contenders, the crazy thing about the NBA is in a couple of weeks' time we, we could be. And uh, that just, it's always just been a case for the Nets that the dominoes can fall. And it just depends the way they fall as to how this team can look. And it can all change so quickly. We could be looking at a, a new talented coach, a, a much healthier team, hopefully much less drama. I mean, I don't know how much less drama we can get, but you know what it's like. If, if, if that can happen, the last six months can be quickly forgotten about. And I just think the lack of picks we have, the likelihood that we get absolutely fleeced for our star players, well, this far away from the, the trade deadline, there just really isn't a benefit of it and if, if there are Nets fans out there that are wanting to blow it up I just think you need to look around the rest of the league right now I mean you look in, you look in Los Angeles I mean the Lakers are one of the worst teams in the league right now I mean the Clippers are who were potentially one of the favourites to win it all looks like Kawhi is having some real real trouble getting back I mean we think Ben Simmons is having trouble getting back Kawhi is really struggling so um, especially just kind of taking so many games off. Um, he's still a fantastic player, but and yeah, just look at the Celtics last year. They they were in a similar situation like us at the start of the year, and they ended up going to the finals. So it can change so quickly, and I think we just need to catch our breath and hopefully we're in a better position a few a few weeks till months down. Yeah, I mean, we've got the same record as the Warriors right now. We've got the same record as the Heat right now. And no one's telling them to blow it up. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're somewhere between 10 and 15% of the way through the season. So I think it's time to pump the brakes on blowing it up. Um, there's plenty to be happy about. And like you say, I don't think like mathematically and with the contracts and stuff that we have um, committed to and, and so there's just no good sense in blowing it up and you got to keep the faith Theo keep the faith um next question has Joe Sy's overall tenure as Nets owner been one of success or failure is he holding us back for example do you think he had any hand in the roster changes that would have seen him financially impacted by luxury tax for example, uh, Jarrett Allen being traded, Dinwiddie not being extended, Kyrie given a new contract. Um, I have to think that overall, Josiah's tenure has been one of failure to live up to external expectations. Um, you know, it, what one of the most sort of expensive rosters ever created and the biggest luxury tax bill, probably one of the biggest luxury tax bills ever. And in the last three years, we've won one playoff series. So, you know, there's no no win there. Look at the... St I, know, we, I, know, I know COVID. I know mandates. I know trade requests. I know all this kind of stuff. But I think that sort of... Joe Tsai has had a, a pretty big hand in a lot of that and how that's affected his team. Um, what do you think? We, obviously, we kind of touched on Joe already. but Yeah, I mean, I can see what Tyler's getting at there in terms of there, there's kind of been a bit of a... size had a bit of a reputation around kind of certain people in the Nets fan base that he's he's been cheap at times. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, with with Dinwiddie and, and trading Allen before he could be extended. And, but, I mean, I think we, we've we seen that he's willing to spend money, as you said there. I mean, one of the most expensive teams of all time. Um, so I think it's way, way deeper than what he's willing to pay. I mean, it's it's so easy. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Like, you, you look at decisions that he's made, obviously, with the Harden trade. And I think you could probably make the argument that any GM in the, in the league at the time, if James Harden was wanting to come to their team and they had those pieces, would have would have made that decision. Um, Kyrie, uh, he just didn't play basketball. Like, why would you want to extend him at that time? There was no argument for that. We didn't know if extending him would be a massive disaster. Who knew what those mandates were going to look like? And then Woody, obviously, he, was, he inevitably tore his ACL. But we had two point guards at the time in Harden and Irvin on max contracts. Like, how much money do you want to to guarantee to that position? That's it's so difficult, um, and I think you're right. In, in general, it has been a failure because he hasn't won a championship, and 
he spent all this money and had all these great players, but you're bang on in the fact that whatever could have gone wrong did go wrong. So you can blame Saif for certain things, but he's not a cheapskate. He's he's he has pushed it all out there. Um, there's a, he's got his flaws, some massive flaws, but he he has tried to win a championship at the end of the day, and and I don't think you can blame him for that. He swung for the fences, and I think not extending Kyrie has looked like a lovely bit of business at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to guarantee, you know, I don't think anyone's going to pick him up. So it's a good thing not to be on that money. Um, Carl G says, coaching options, what makes Udoka the right choice or not based on his coaching record alone? Who else do you think stands out as an alternative options out there? I think we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, he holds people accountable, um, which I think, you know, both are kind of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown of the Celtics kind of said was great. Um, he calls his own players dickheads. Um, he's incredibly defensively focused. Um, and KD, he gets the, the co-sign from KD. Um, I don't really think there are any as good options out there if we are just talking about coaching. Um, but yeah, I, I think we kind of think we touched on that unless you've got anything else on there. Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed it. I think as well, obviously, we saw he's very good at organising, being effective on star players. Like, we saw, obviously, KD last year. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a team that's managed KD as well as the Celtics last year in the, in the playoff series, and obviously yeah. Giannis as well. So, yeah, he's just very, very well organised, and we've not had that in a while. Yeah, even sort of um, when Ben Simmons had his, like, all-NBA season, Udoka was at the at the Sixers. So he's just, he gets the best out of star players, um, which is really good. And final question here from Elliot from Huben and Luton. You can add one former player to the existing roster who has the biggest impact. Let's go for, uh, we've kind of had similar questions previously and it's so easy to go for your your classics like Jay Kidd, Vince Carter, Brute mm. Lopez. But I, I saw the question while, while we're doing the podcast and I'm going to go for someone a bit different. I'm going to go for Damari Carroll. And that's a bit of a random one. But it's just <laughs> someone that I loved as a net. And I think he's just an excellent vet uh, leader. And obviously he said who had the biggest impact. And we just need someone like that right now to, as you said about Yudoka, just someone to hold the team accountable. He left everything on the floor. and was just a great example for that young Nets team. And someone like that who can just come in plug him in and he's just a good vet um it's someone that i think would benefit the team what about you uh, along the same lines give me jared dudley nice. back on this team or you know or just go back and give me the tag team of theo pinson and ronde hollis jefferson just <laughs> vibes just for absolute vibes or you know i know he kind of um developed this talent after he left the nets but give me brooke lopez you know a big stretch five uh, that can shoot the ball, um, clear out some of that um, structure floor a little bit, open up that open up that lane. Um, there's plenty of people, but I'll, I'll go. I'll go Brookie. I'll go Brookie the Wookie. Uh, nice. If you're going to, um, if you're going for Damari Carroll, um, but yeah, that's that's about all we got time for. Thanks for everyone for jumping in the chat. Chat's been nice and busy today. Um, thanks for all the list of the questions and. Thanks to the Nets for actually winning some basketball games. Uh, it's nice to talk about some success on the court for once. Um, but that's all we've got time for today. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening.